Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to learn to earn with Tyler Chef. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. This week, we're going to talk about how to sell a flip without making it a flop. Now in this case, you guys know that are listening to my show and have been listening for a long time. I am a recovering rehabber. Yes, it's true. I was one of those people that had to pay my capital gains tax like a trooper. I was out there taking beat up houses and throwing some lipstick on the pig and making them look pretty and selling them for a profit and doing all that good stuff. Well, good news is I smartened up. I got out of the rehab business. Now I keep them. However, I still have a lot of you friends, a family that are out there flipping, doing your thing, making improvements to neighborhoods. I'm going to give you my two cents on ways to help you be more successful with your flip. Now, it all begins with the purchase before the flip. And that really, for me, depends on, that starts with not getting caught up in bidding wars. Boy, you know, I, I can't say this over enough. I mean, I, over and over and over again, I tell people, do not get in to auctions. You've heard me talk about my REO podcast episodes a few weeks ago. I talked about getting involved in auctions and what happens when you get up and involved in auctions. Auctions are bidding wars. The only place the price goes is up. People tell me they justify this mindset by saying they'll make it up on the back end. Guys, you're not going to make it up on the back end. Okay, You may think you're making it up on the back end, but you're not. You make your money when you buy. So don't get caught up on bidding wars. Focus on making your money when you buy. And how you do that is focusing on, well, number one, off-market opportunities whenever possible. If you're going to pick things off the shelf on the MLS, unless there's some sort of uh, situation at hand where the seller's desperate, don't waste your time making low-ball offers on retail properties. That's just not going to work. You know, if grandma has lived in the house since 1960, and hasn't still has three inch thick shag carpet and grandma wants top dollar for her house. Guess what? You're not going to talk grandma out of her money, especially if there's a real estate agent involved. So don't even waste your time or the agent's time making ridiculously low ball offers where there is no problem you can solve by making that offer. Remember this all comes down to being able to solve a problem. That's how you structure good deals, solve a problem. Another good tip, controlling the closing and the title process. Boy, I can't tell you enough. Controlling the closing and the title process. In my market, in the Tampa Bay market, there is some sort of rumor, some tradition that I don't, do not seem to understand that means or says that people believe that the seller controls who the title company is and who does the closing. That is rubbish. That is garbage. That is no law. There is no requirement. It's not written anywhere. I actually had an agent recently tell me in a neighboring county it was county policy. Well, I asked to see county policy, and guess what? She couldn't produce one. She went away mad. 
licking her palms. It made me laugh. Anyway, I digress. As the buyer, you are the one assuming the risk for the title process, the, the quality of the title insurance, the quality of the title or the deed, whichever you call it in your state. You are assuming that risk. So if you are assuming that risk, you should be able to have control over who does the title searches, who issues the title insurance, and who processes the closing and records the appropriate documents. You have a right to have control over that. Granted, it is a point of negotiation. And and in some cases, the realtors tend to bite on this and they want the seller to have control. And I ask them this question, is the seller willing to assume liability for the quality of title after closing? Now, usually they will say no. There's a couple dumb ones that say, well, of course. I'm like, good, let's put that in writing. But the rest of them will say, well, no, they're not. Well, then why in the world would the seller want control over the title company? Here's the real deal, folks. It used to be that real estate agents would get kickbacks from title companies. And I'm sure there's some title companies out there that still pay kickbacks to real estate agents. They give them T-shirts or whatever gimmick they've got to recruit business. And that, in some cases, explains why some agents and some title companies do business that way. Now, a reputable title company does not give kickbacks to their agents. They just take give them good service, okay? You need to control who the title company is. And if you're with a good agent, the good agent should be able to give you a reasonable expectation of why they choose the title agent that they choose. That's a very important part of the process. If the title work is screwed up, I don't care what kind of a deal you think you got. If the title work is bad, the title work is bad, and you can take a great deal and turn it into a train wreck in seconds flat. Don't fall for the trap. Municipal lien searches is something I want to talk to you guys about. A lot of you have never heard of municipal lien search. I understand. I'm going to explain it. But you have to make sure that a municipal lien search is being performed by the title company. And what that is is a municipal lien be your city, your county, your state if need be, your electrical, gas authority, water company, whoever has the right in some cases to file liens against the property. For example, in a neighboring county, they, the county went through and replaced a bunch of streetlights. Well, they also they, when they did that, they billed the owners of the property on the streets where they replaced those lights. Well, that's all fine and dandy. you got to pay for the infrastructure. I get that. However, they also, that when they sent the bill, placed a lien against the properties. Even when there's been a lot of cases where the homeowner paid the bill when it came in, you know, say if it's 1500 bucks, whatever, but the county never removed the lien against the house. Well, guess what? You're the buyer of the house. That lien's still on there. You take title to the house, you're taking, you're taking ownership of that lien. Even though the seller's already paid for it. Well, in a lot of cases, the seller hasn't paid for it. But there were many cases to where the, the county did a terrible job of clearing those liens. So you need to do a municipal lien search to make sure those, those ghost liens aren't out there. Back when they used to have wired telephone in the house, I don't think they even do that anymore. But a telephone company could put a lien on your house. A lot of people don't realize that. Make sure that any additions or roof replacements were done with permits. That includes air conditioners if it's required in your county, in your area. If there are no permits pulled, like let's say the roof looks relatively new or looks in shockingly good condition, even though the last permit was pulled 30 years ago, and you know logically somebody replaced that roof on a Saturday morning uh, or a weekend and did it flying under the radar. That's all fine and dandy. I'm sure they got a great deal, blah, blah, blah. Here's the thing. It's going to be a red flag for your insurance company or worse. It's going to be a red flag for the insurance company of the new buyer because you're buying, you're flipping this thing to a new buyer, a retail buyer. Retail buyer has got a lender that's going to have the, that's going to look at that situation. 
they have a, or an underwriter rather, they've got a insurance company that is going to look for every possible risk out there and try to mitigate that. So they're going to take a look at, well, geez, the roof permit was pulled 30 years ago and that's the last roof permit. But the home inspector said the roof's in great shape. Interesting. Well, it would really suck if you got within a few weeks, a few days, or a few hours of closing to find out that, lo and behold, the insurance company for the buyer will not find insurance coverage. And you think, okay, well, big deal. You know, then I'll just pull out and sell it to somebody else. Yes, but you've also added another 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 days, whatever it winds up being of market time. Not to mention the buyer is out the cost of the inspection, cost of the appraisal. Not good business, guys. Not good business. When you're buying a property, you need to do a permit search. Have the title company do a permit search. Have your agent, if you're using one, do a permit search. Find out, number one, have permits been pulled for the work that's been done. And I'm talking about roofs, major plumbing, room additions, garage conversions, you name it. Things that require a permit, make sure a permit's been pulled. If not, and you buy the house, you may be responsible for having, bringing that repair work up to code. You may think, oh, well, you got away with it, but guess what? When you get in the middle of a, a new purchase, when you go to sell this thing, and the home inspector comes in there, and the home inspector makes a big deal about it, who's to say the real estate agent isn't going to get over his that? Let's call the code enforcement down there or the building department, and you are the one that's going to take responsibility for the guy that you bought it from not pulling a permit on the property. Do you want to put yourself in that position? I've seen it happen, folks. I've seen it happen. It will happen. So take your time. Go through the process correctly. Back to title work, making sure that you obtain title insurance if it's bought at an auction. Now, and most people are thinking, well, if I, I bought at auctions before, those of you that have bought at auctions realize that you, when you buy from an auction, the courthouse steps or whatever, a foreclosure auction, you can't get title insurance. So you're taking your chances with the quality of the title. And some people think, well, all the liens are wiped. Well, that's not the case at all. Not at all. The only time liens are wiped is on a tax deed sale. And that varies based on municipalities. So let's say you go to the courthouse steps or you buy from one of the online auctions, a government auction, or it's run by the individual local government. You cannot get title insurance. If you listen to last week's episode, and if you have not, maybe you should roll back and listen to last week's episode where I interviewed Kevin Overstreet from Insured Title. He has come up with a solution to be able to get you title insurance on the property. Now, the benefit of that, of course, is that you now have title insurance. When you sell the property, you can offer that to the buyer as a concession, and the buyer can get, lend, can get credits, or what they call a reissue credit, on the title insurance. If you are the one paying the title insurance on the sell side, in other words, if you are the, if you're, if you're, you've, the way you've negotiated is that you're covering the, the title insurance policy, you should be able to get a reissue credit from your title company. Now, a lot of companies sometimes don't necessarily advertise that as an option. So you should be asking for it. How about my reissue credit? Now, if you buy property and 10 years later you decide that you're going to sell it, don't go asking for a reissue credit. The amount of time you can get a reissue credit varies based on state, based on municipality, and based on title insurance company. So reach out to your title insurance company, talk to them about your individual situation, and ask for a reissue credit. That's a service they should provide for you. On the purchase side, make sure that you're buying in a great neighborhood. Okay? Don't, you know, be the, you want to be the ugliest house on the block. You certainly don't want to be the nicest house on the block. Don't go buy in, in a war zone expecting to rehab it and have a pretty house in a war zone unless you've done your research and you are absolutely sure that you are in the path of progress and not in the path of the bulldozer. 
not to mention, you know, you have a bunch of rehab supplies and whatnot in, in some of these rough areas. Well, they're going to be stolen when you come back. So make sure you're buying in a great location. You should buy in locations where people want to live. Larry Harbolt just did a podcast on this recently. And if you have not listened to Larry's show, by the way, a little shout out to Larry Harbolt. Listen to Larry Harbolt's show. You go on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play and you search Larry Harbolt. It's called The Real Deal Podcast. I'm going to have a link to it on my site here coming up soon. By all means, listen to Larry's show. He talks all about buy, which properties to buy, the right properties to buy, to fix and flip that people are going to want to buy. So take your time, do your homework, buy right. Now, when you are working with, and this is the biggest struggle, and I know a lot of you, you folks have a hard time with this, and that's why I never have a problem getting buyers because I'm an ex-rehabber, so it's, I find it simple to, to determine what a rehabber's criteria is because I know the questions to ask because I used to be one. Well, the same does not hold true for most agents. That's not their fault. It's just that they've never worked with a, an investor and they don't know what questions to ask you, not to mention some of you are not forthcoming with the information. Shame on you. Same goes for wholesalers, realtors, wholesalers, the same thing. If you've got somebody out there in the field, wholesaler, realtor, realtor, bird dog, I don't care what you call them, time is money, guys. And I'm not even talking about wasting their time. I'm talking about wasting your time. Go have a cup of coffee with them. Tell them exactly what you're looking for. Talk to them about your last couple deals and what made sense for you, why you bought it. And hey, here's the thing. If you've never flipped a house before, then tell them that. Because I know a lot of wholesalers in my market that have a heck of a lot more experience than 99% of the rehabbers in the market. One guy comes to mind right now, he'll talk you through the flip. He'll sell you the property and talk you through the rehab process. He's a great guy. Been doing this for a long time. Christ, he's got a master's degree, an MBA. Smart, smart guy. Great wholesaler. Very, very good at what he does. And he's willing to help. So don't try to pretend that you're, not, you're something that you're not. Don't, don't over-exaggerate your experience necessarily. Tell them, hey, I'm new and here's the things I'm looking for. Or if you're experienced and you know what you're looking for, then have that conversation. That is critical. The agents are not your enemy. They're, they're there to make a commission. Make no mistake. And that's not a bad thing. Just like you go to work every day. You're there flipping houses. You're there to make money. So if you're there to make money and the wholesalers and realtors are there to make money and the lenders are there to make money, everybody can make money together. It is possible. Nothing wrong with that. Hard money lenders, they're there to make money. Allow them to make money. If everybody makes money, everybody's successful. If you're beating up the realtors, and I've had one joker in town that he runs around asking realtors if he will credit them, if they will credit them back his commission or their commission. So you get paid 3%, an agent gets paid 3%. This guy wants 1.5% rebated, rebated back to him. Just, I guess because he's a great guy. That's the only thing I can attribute that to. I don't understand it. And there's actually agents out there that are doing that. That's ridiculous. If you're, if you're doing something like that or somebody suggests something like that to you, shame on you. Shame on you for taking money out of somebody's pocket when they are providing you a service. People are deserve, or deserve to be paid adequately for their time. And it's not up to you how much is too much. You can't tell me that a complete bumbling idiot can put on a pair of straps and shoulder pads and go play football the guy can't even fog a mirror, let alone spell his own name, is worth millions of dollars, and then you're going to give a realtor or a wholesaler a hard time about making a couple thousand dollars on a real estate transaction. Give me a break. People in this business are in it to make money. Allow them to make money. Get that in your mindset. If you allow them to make money and you are focused on making sure they make money, you will do very, very well. Remember, time is money, and everybody deserves to get paid. Moving on down to the rehab here, I want to talk to you guys about the rehab. That's going to be the second segment of this. I want to talk about the rehab. 
first and foremost, if you're rehabbing a property, with all fiber of my being, I want you to know how important this is. Buy vacant home insurance. Nobody does this, and I don't understand why. If a fire happens, one of your contractors runs a nail through something and starts a fire and then goes home and your house burns to the ground, and you don't have vacant house insurance, you're in trouble. When you have an empty house that is not occupied by somebody, your traditional homeowner's insurance, usually in most cases in most states, will not cover you. If it is vacant, there is a rider policy or a separate policy for vacant home insurance. Talk to your insurance agent. Make sure that you have proper coverage to do the rehab. You don't want somebody slipping, falling on, on the property or somebody burning the house down or some kid getting stepping on a nail on your property on a Saturday afternoon when you're sitting on the beach drinking a beer. That's a problem. If you're not adequately insured, you're going to lose your money in a heartbeat. Make sure your asset, uh, hear the joke, make sure your asset is covered. Okay? Take the opportunity to reach out to a good quality insurance agent. Second, I want to talk about insisting on quality finishes. Guys, don't let people do lousy work on your job, on your flips. And I had this when I was overhauling some of my properties in the past. And the, the contractors will say to you, well, it's just a rental property. What do you mean it's just a rental property? Just because it's a rental property doesn't mean it needs to be a, a substandard rehab job. You're not, I'm not paying you a substandard wage. Therefore, it shouldn't be a substandard job. Things like things that matter to buyers when you're thinking of from a buyer's perspective, do quality finishes. Don't use paint that you can, that's like uh, dirty water. Use quality paint that covers everything properly. Make sure your caulk lines in the bathrooms and around the sinks and things like that and the paint lines on the walls are crisp and clean, that it's done professionally. Make sure the countertops are even. Make sure the lights are installed correctly. And one of the most important things that comes up on a home inspection all the time, make sure that all the light switches go to something and work. It doesn't cost that much to have an electrician go out there and eliminate these issues before a buyer does a home inspection. You don't want to get into a position where the, the buyer finds a bunch of stuff and I don't care if you sell it as is, because if they find electrical issues or roof leaks or plumbing leaks or things like that, the lender, chances are, is unless they're paying cash, the lender is not going to allow them to get a loan on that property. That property will not qualify for financing. Don't put yourself in that position. You should make sure that you, when you do your rehab, it is in accordance with FHA appraisal guidelines. Look it up on the FHA website. It is very similar to Section 8 guidelines for rental properties. Make sure that you are compliant. One of the other ways you can do that is you want to make sure that GFI receptacles, ground fault interrupters, are near water sources. How far from water sources depends on the, on, on the area you live in. But I believe National Electric Code is, I think, 36 inches or 30 inches or something like that. You want to make sure that you have those GFI receptacles. Those are usually the square ones you see at Home Depot that has a little green light that's on all the time. Those need to be near water sources. Make sure you repair things like leaky faucets. Don't have drips water leaks, things behind the wall. Oh, they won't catch it. Yes, they will. They'll put a moisture meter on the wall and they can tell there's a leak behind the wall by simply putting a moisture meter back there. Because home inspectors know what they're doing in most cases. Not in all cases. I could tell you horror stories about home inspectors. That's for another episode. But take the time to do the right, do the work correctly. Use quality help, which finding quality help obviously will be uh, the subject of another show. Make sure, demand that it's quality work. Just because it's a flip, you're not putting lipstick on a pig. That's what I used to do. I smartened up because it came back to bite me. I was just trying to get things done and get them out the door. That wasn't the best way to do things. I digress. I made mistakes. I've learned my lesson. Don't do that. 
do quality work, make it look good, and you will get full value. Now, when you're rehabbing, we talked about accommodating the FHA. And the VA's requirements, the Veterans Administration, are very similar, and some would say a little more strict than the FHA requirements. And I've had people out there in, in rehab projects who go, well, I'm not going to sell to one of them. What are you, crazy? You're not going to sell to a veteran? What the heck's wrong with you? Of course you're going to sell to a veteran. Not to mention the veterans are buying no money down. And you're giving them an opportunity to have a little slice of the American dream. So don't be a bonehead. Sell to veterans. Sell to the FHA. You want those buyers. If you do a good rehab job and you have a good product there, you will have no problems on the inspection. So you should market to those. If you exclude those and you're only offering a sale to properties that, that qualify for conventional financing or a cash buyer, you have drastically diminished the amount of buyer pool, the amount in the buyer pool that you can sell to. Don't do that. That's a huge, huge mistake. Guys, curb appeals everything. Red mulch is ugly. Nobody likes red mulch but dudes. Go ask a woman how to make the front look appealing. And that's not a sexist remark. That's fact. Red mulch is ugly. Nobody, I've never met a woman ever that likes red mulch. And guess what? Women buy houses. Women live in houses. You better make sure that you've got curb appeal. Red mulch isn't cutting it. So for the love of everything that's holy, get rid of the red mulch. It looks terrible. Heck, I hate it too. Mainly because my wife hates it, but whatever. Selling process. Folks, listen. I don't care how smart you think you are. And I'm not saying this because I'm a realtor. Even when I was a rehabber, when I was flipping houses, I hired another realtor to sell my houses. Initially, I did. Then I got smart as I started doing it later on, and I hired somebody else, somebody who's a disinterested third party who can effectively negotiate on my behalf without emotion. And you can't sit there and tell me that this is not an emotional decision. I know you don't care about the house, and the house is not emotional, but the two hundred grand you're trying to get for the house, that will spawn a little bit of emotion unless you're some sort of multimillionaire. Hire a realtor who is an expert in marketing. This is not a sales pitch for me because I don't sell single-family houses anymore. Well, my wife does. If you're in the Tampa Bay market, call my wife. She is an expert in marketing. And someone that sells a lot of homes, okay? Not somebody that, that had, has sold, sold one house in the last year. Don't hire a part-time agent. Hire a full-time agent that is an expert in marketing. How are they an expert in marketing? They should be able to talk your ear off about the amount of marketing that they're doing and exactly how they're doing it. Now, granted, don't make them break it all out in a full written uh, diatribe and all that. Just, just keep it simple. Have them explain it. If they're passionate about the marketing, they should be excited about it. You'll see it in, in their eye when they're talking to you about it. This same realtor should be a skilled negotiator and not be willing to sell your home at a discounted commission rate. This is important. The realtor should be skilled in negotiations and not willing to sell your home at a discounted commission rate because of volume. Oh, you're an investor. I'll give you a discount. That's crap. I've fallen. I've, I'm a skilled negotiator, but I've been talked into that a while ago, you know, and it bothers me because you think, you know what? I'm not going to give full value because I'm not getting full pay. That's just the reality of it, guys. I know. Realtors everywhere listening to this podcast are probably going, you can't say that on the, on the air. Well, guess what? This is a podcast. It's not a radio station. I can say whatever the hell I want. Fact of the matter is, if you pay somebody less than what they feel they're worth, you are going to get the same in quality. So don't cut their commission. Don't cut them back. They are there to make you money. Remember, you made the money when you bought. When you buy, factor in your commission at 7 8%, whatever. Give them a bonus. Give them an incentive to get it done and get it done at top dollar. Take their advice. They're going to keep you from getting it under contract and trying to sell it for more than appraised value. 
And when that happens and the appraiser comes back and says, hey, guess what? It's worth $20,000 less based on my opinion than what your realtor told you. The realtor was, was not a skilled negotiator. The realtor was just trying to say whatever you would say to get you to sign the listing agreement, and they hoped that nobody in the buying public would notice. That's not a good realtor. Don't fall for a realtor that's going to overprice your property. Have them show you the comparables and then explain their logic and how they come up with the value. And their logic should make sense to you. It should not be rocket science. Because appraisal is certainly not a science. It's an art. They should be able to explain it to where it makes sense. They should also be able to explain it to an appraiser. Because they should be on your side going to bat for you when it comes time for appraisal. And again, if you cut their commission, you got into their wallet, there's no way they're going to meet with the appraiser. You cut my commission? Well, first of all, I won't even take the listing. I'll tell you to pack sand because it's not worth it. You try that with Jill, my wife, try offering her a reduced commission. She'll just laugh and walk away. She'll have that conversation over the phone. We do this for profit, for the record. That's why agents sell property. They don't do it because they love the freedom. That's a bunch of garbage. They do it because they make a lot of money doing it if they're good at it. And if they suck at it, well, then they go poor. That's, that's their problem, I guess. But don't hire an agent that's willing to take a, redu a reduction in their commission. That's just automatic financial suicide for you. You know, a well-paid team is an effective one when a house sells. And here's the thing you got to ask yourself. Who writes the checks when a house sells? And who cashes them? As the seller, you should be cashing checks, not writing checks. Allow your team, that includes your contractor, your attorney, your title company, your realtor, allow them to participate in the profits. Now, with that said, I'm not saying take advantage of you. Be fair with them and expect them to be fair with you. It's got to be a win-win or it's not going to work. But if you're fair with them, it provides an incentive for them to get top dollar for you and, more importantly, have a successful closing. So if you hire experts, take their advice, you don't have all the answers. If you're good at rehab, you stick to swinging the hammer or managing the people that do. You cannot handle effectively all aspects of the transaction. That is a full-time job plus. Otherwise, if that's the case, then why are you flipping in the first place? You might as well go back to the cubicle and work a job. Now, in the selling process, another big mistake I see people do all the time, do not help the realtor. You know, when I took people around and showed them properties and whatnot, and I've got some seller out there trying to help the poor listing agent. If you hire a professional listing agent, they don't need your help, okay? They do not need your help. Don't help them by putting ads in Craigslist and all this other garbage. If they're not getting offers, there's a reason. Find out the reason. Now, a good agent should be getting early offers early on because they've got it priced right. Usually, if you're not getting offers, it has to do with price or condition. If you've just freshly rehabbed it, did you do a good job? Did you got paint slathered all over the place? Walk through there and check your fit and finish. See what condition the property looks like. Send somebody else over there that has, have never seen it before and get their opinion. If you need a rock star agent, reach out to me. I will find a rock star agent for you. I will interview them for you because I'm here to tell you there are a lot of good agents out there. A lot of good agents. There's great agents right here in my market. I'd be happy to refer to you. In my market, I don't care if you're in Seattle, if you're in Montana, if you're in New York City, it doesn't matter. If you need a rock star agent to help you sell your flips, you reach out to me via email or pick up the phone, um, give me a call, get on my schedule. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk about your flip before you get started so that a good rock star agent can be worth every penny and not be there, not coming in the 11th hour to bail you out of a mess you got yourself into. Let me help you find that rock star agent that will make you top dollar. I have no problem doing that. When I refer an agent to when I refer somebody to an agent, I get a nice little referral fee out of it. So it creates a win-win. But I want you to have a positive experience and find good agents. 
That's why I'm willing to interview them for you. Last couple tips, offer seller financing, even if you don't want to, in the sale process. Here's the thing. If you offer seller financing, you're going to get a ton of people looking at the house, especially early on. Let's say in the first week of sale, offer seller financing. Have the agent put that in the MLS that you're willing to offer seller financing. It's a great technique to get a ton of people in the door. Chances are you won't even have to offer seller financing because you'll get bombarded with FHA, VA buyers, and conventional loan buyers, and they're not going to need your financing. And the ter- and just say that the terms are negotiable. I wouldn't even put the terms out there because the whole idea is that's a tool to get people in the door. Offer a home warranty to the buyer. That always helps. People put a lot of value on a home warranty. Throw one in there. Offer it. Bottom line, guys, is you need to make your property easy to buy. Have documentation of the rehab, the work that was done. Keep your receipts and whatnot handy. Maybe put them in a three-ring binder, one of those little, you know, those plastic sleeves. Everything's neat and tidy. Keep good, solid records. If you have an issue with the appraisal, then show that information to the appraiser. Show them the value of what's behind the walls, the stuff that you've done, the extra work. If you've done an electrical service upgrade, how's the appraiser supposed to know that unless you tell them? Put together a nice little presentation, a three-ring binder, leave it on the kitchen counter. Put a note on it, say, for the appraiser. Sell them on your house so they will give you top dollar. That's all I have for you guys today, folks. Just when we're wrapping up, a couple things for housekeeping. If you're stuck and you're having difficulty getting to the next level, you have my attention for 30 minutes in one of my free consultation calls. There is no obligation. There is no catch. Go to cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler. I don't care what the subject matter is. You're having a hard time finding a lead. You're having a hard time finding a deal. You can't find private money. You don't know how to negotiate seller financing. You don't know whether to buy a mobile home or an apartment building. I don't care what the solution is. Heck, you have money. You don't know what to invest in. Get on the phone with me. Be more than happy to give you a 30-minute consultation to help you get unstuck. Those of you that are interested in our coaching program, I do have a few spots open. Feel free to reach out to me at cashflowguys.com forward slash coach. You get on my calendar uh, to find out more about our, my private coaching program. That program is for people that truly want to succeed, not for people that are looking to accumulate a bunch of garbage books on their shelf that are not going to take action. If you're somebody who is tired of where you are and you are ready to take action right now, you're ready to go. You're ready to crush it. It's time. It's time to get out of that rat race. It's time to put your money to work. If you're a person that is has money to invest and you are terrified of what to invest in and you need somebody sitting on your shoulder to make sure that you're safe, then reach out to me at cashflowguys.com forward slash coach. Under that link, I'll give you an hour and I'll explain to you all about my coaching program and how that program can benefit you. And then you will be at the same time will tell me how I can help you best. We'll get through this, these struggles together. That's what we're here for. We are here to help. Thanks for joining me, guys. Have a great week, and we will catch up with you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.